0: Thank you for joining us for Brewing Faith, where we talk about the future of our church from a Franciscan perspective. Today, we will be discussing the topic of inclusion of the LGBTQ community in our worshiping communities. So, grab a cup of tea or coffee, whatever you like to brew, and join me for Brewing Faith. Sexuality is an aspect of personality which lets us enter other person's lives as friends and encourages them to enter our own lives. The dimension of sexuality must be developed by all men and women, not only because it is a gift making us more like God, but it is also so very necessary if we are to follow Jesus's command to become lovers. These are not my words. These are the words of Reverend Francis J. Mogavero, Bishop of Brooklyn in the 1970s, written in his pastoral letter on sexuality, God's gift. The misconception often perceived when beginning conversations about sexuality is that we are talking about sex. And while physical sexual intimacy is one aspect of our sexuality, it is not the whole of what it means to be sexual beings. In fact, on the topic of love and sexuality, the U.S. Catholic bishops state. Forming authentic relationships with other people may be the most profound way that we enact our likeness to God." Too often our church, when engaged in conversations of human sexuality, jumps to conversations of sex, but hidden in the pastoral letters and the catechism, and the teachings of the church is one phrase that in my opinion is the most important aspect of human sexuality that is often forgotten in debates over sex. Integration of the whole person. I'm going to repeat that for emphasis. Integration of the whole person. This requires us to not deny any part of ourself, but rather to understand it as a piece of who we are and to come to accept it. And in regard to our LGBTQ sisters and brothers, it means an acceptance of their sexual orientation. And it calls us to support the LGBTQ community by not denying them the human dignity deserved by all. The US Catholic bishops in their pastoral message to parents of homosexual children emphasize this integration by writing, quote, all in all, it is essential to recall one basic truth. God loves every person as a unique individual. Sexual identity helps to define the unique persons we are. And one component of our sexual identity is sexual orientation. God does not love someone any less simply because he or she is homosexual, end quote. These are powerful words that are often lost in the harsh and cruel debates concerning LGBTQ Catholics, who are often marginalized and criticized for authentically embracing who they are, who God created them to be, whether or not they are engaged in romantic physical relationships. The point here is not to debate the moral rights and wrongs of sex, which by the way, do not solely belong to the LGBTQ community, but rather to talk about inclusion and acceptance of the integration of the whole human being by way of making known the acceptance of LGBTQ folks in our worshiping communities. Jesus consistently called forth this integration through the parables he told. One such example is found in the story of the Good Samaritan. The Samaritans were arguably the most marginalized group of the time, which is precisely why Jesus chose to make the Samaritan the hero of the story. This is a story of radical acceptance of all people. When a man was left by robbers to die on the side of the road, both the priest and the Levite turned their eyes and left him. But it was the Samaritan who stopped to offer help. This, Jesus emphasized, was what it means to love your neighbor. The greatest commandment of all, love the Lord your God with all your heart. All your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes we get caught up in the tangled web of semantics and lose sight of the person as an integrated being. In the context of our conversation today I cannot help but think of the story of Matthew Shepard, the young man tied up and brutally attacked, left to die in Wyoming in 1998, all because he was openly gay. I was 15 when that happened, probably naive to the greater societal opinions on the LGBTQ community. But what I can tell you is I was horrified that a human being could do such an evil thing to another person. It profoundly shaped how I grew in acceptance of others in my life. No one, for no reason, deserved to be beaten and left to die on the side of the road. Not the man in the parable and not Matthew Shepard. In our own Franciscan tradition, we too have a story that demonstrates this deep and abiding call to To love your neighbor as yourself. When Francis met the leper, he moved beyond encounter to embrace. It was not enough to come upon him, but moved by what can only be described as love instilled by God, Francis fully embraced the leper. Again, lepers were the most marginalized group of the time. This move deeply demonstrates an acceptance of the leper for who he was as a person. In a sense, this encounter not only made the leper whole, but Francis as well. What we are really talking about today is mutual relationship. Bishop Mogavero wrote quote, Sexuality is is one of God's greatest gifts to man and woman. We can say this not only because sexuality largely conditions his or her progress towards maturity and insertion into society, but also because it is that aspect of personhood which makes us capable of entering into loving relationships with others. Theology teaches us that relationship, the gift of oneself to another, is at the very heart of God. The Father and Son give themselves totally to one another, and the mutuality of their total response in love is the Holy Spirit binding them together. We honor God and become more like Him, when we create in our own lives the loving, other-centered relationships, which at the same time, give us such human satisfaction and personal fulfillment," end quote. The church, if it is to remain true to Jesus' teachings, needs to continue to be open to conversations of inclusion surrounding the LGBTQ community. We need to be open to each other's stories and to be willing to listen openly and honestly to build authentic relationships. Our world is becoming so polarized, politically, theologically, nationally. Catholics have a rich tradition of standing in solidarity with the poor and marginalized and it should be no different when discussing the topic of LGBTQ Catholics. Thank you for joining us for Brewing Faith. A few months ago, we received a question from one of our listeners that we felt was of too great of importance to answer in simple question and answer segment. So today we dedicate our entire episode to addressing the topic of inclusion of the LGBTQ community in our worshiping communities. Thank you to Betsy's friend for reaching out to ask the very important question concerning inclusion of the LGBTQ community in the Catholic Church. I would like to welcome Alyssa, a self-identifying queer Catholic, to discuss her own experience as a member of the LGBTQ community and to share positive experiences as well as challenges that she has faced. Hi, Alyssa. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's fantastic. Thanks for saying yes to this opportunity. (laughs) Absolutely. So to begin, what does it mean to you to identify as a queer Catholic?
1: I think for me, identifying as a queer Catholic is really all about representation. Queer for me just is a way to say that I'm a part of the LGBTQ community um, without having to really put a hard label on it. Um and Catholic is just another, you know, really prominent piece of my identity. So for me to say I'm a queer Catholic is really like me kind of sending out a message like, you know, it's possible to be part of the LGBTQ community and to be Catholic. Um, that you can be queer and you can be faithful. And so yeah, it's really just about being a representation for other people who might not know that that's possible.
0: And, and is that something that you grew into understanding? Like, how did, how did you come to a place where you so confidently can sit here and say that you're a queer Catholic? Um,
1: it definitely took growth. Uh, I think when I was first coming out, I didn't even know that it was really possible to be queer and to be Catholic or to be in the LGBTQ community and to be Catholic. Um, and it actually took a campus minister, um, at my college who identified as a lesbian and was clearly Catholic. She was running the liturgy and choir, um, and seeing her just being herself and saying to me, like, look, I'm in this community and look at what I'm doing. Um, it, it was just so important to me and really showed me that it's possible to be queer and Catholic. And so that's why now I feel like I sort of almost have an obligation to do the same for others. and And I really want to do the same for others.
0: That must have been so freeing for you to have that experience. It it definitely was. (laughs) So I've invited you to be with us today because I heard about a project that you worked on through Call to Action's Regeneration Program. Can you share a little bit about what Regeneration is and the specific project you implemented?
1: So Regeneration is a program through an organization called Call to Action. Um, and Call to Action, really their purpose is to inspire Catholics to work for justice within the church and to build inclusive communities. So, Regeneration is a program for Catholics in their 20s and 30s. Um, and it allows young Catholics to develop and implement a project that addresses an injustice within the church. But it also allows them to build community with one another, um, to have mentorship. And to really get more involved in their own parish or, you know, other religious community. So for me, uh, my project was an LGBTQ listening session. And I entered into regeneration really wanting to give LGBTQ Catholics a space to discuss their experiences and needs within the church. Because I didn't really feel that I had that when I was coming out and coming to terms with my sexuality. And... I also felt like I didn't really see that happening in the parish context very much. So I decided to kind of focus specifically on doing this listening session in a parish. I am lucky enough to be a part of a parish that's very inclusive. So when I brought up this idea to my pastor, he approved of it and it really allowed you know, me and him to have more of a discussion around LGBTQ Catholics and, and
0: just to build a relationship and what did that mean for you like the fact that you were coming you've had this difficult history with it and not understanding that it w- that you'd be accepted mm-hmm. now you have this priest who's accepting how was that for you
1: It was it was honestly really incredible and almost surreal because even though I knew that my parish was an inclusive space I was still really nervous to actually say like hey this is my project and I'm part of the LGBTQ community I still wasn't sure how it was going to be received because of how I know it's received in so many other places. Right. Um, so I just feel so grateful to have found a parish that, you know, was willing to embrace me and to embrace this idea that I had.
0: That's great. So what exactly did this project look like? How did the structure unfold and what did the participants do? How did you facilitate it? Can you say a little bit about that structure and the logistics?
1: Yes. Um, So after talking to the pastor about the idea and getting the go ahead, um, I then talked to LGBTQ Catholics that I knew in the parish and just asked them sort of what their needs were. Um, And I was, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was surprised to find that they felt accepted and they didn't really feel like they needed, you know, any other inclusion. They felt like they were sort of getting what they needed. And I just thought that that was really interesting. And so I started to wonder, like, how my parish accomplished this when so many other parishes haven't, you know? And, and
0: struggle with it. Right, yeah. Yeah. exactly. It's a real challenge for people.
1: Yeah, and so the conversation turned into really a conversation around what does the LGBTQ support look like at our parish? And so we really kind of centered the conversation around four questions. Why are you a part of this parish? That was sort of just to get everyone talking about, you know, why we love the parish that we're in, right? Um, to kind of build a common ground for those who, you know, maybe weren't part of the LGBTQ community but wanted to be at that conversation.
0: Yeah, then we talked about. Support.
1: Yeah, exactly. Support be an ally. Yeah. Right, and we talked about, you know, what does the LGBTQ support look like at our parish? What more could we do to support our LGBTQ community? And then, how could we inspire other parishes to do the same?
0: And what were some of the answers that came out? Of that, like, I'd be really interested in hearing about, like, how do you inspire other parishes to do this? Because it sounds mm-hmm. like you have something really solid and a good community. Um, how can you influence other parishes?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think first in terms of what the support looked like, people were saying that they felt like they were included, not just tolerated. They had active roles in liturgy. And in the parish, including leadership roles, you know, there are visible symbols around our parish that show support of the LGBTQ community, like little pride flags on name tags that people wear. And people felt like they also had opportunities to share their experience. Um, for instance, like, like the conversation we were having, but we also have some events that center around LGBTQ justice at our parish and as far as inspiring other parishes to do the same we kind of talked a little bit about just almost being a witness like potentially having maybe a joint mass with another parish in the area and not necessarily saying you know we support the LGBTQ community and what are you doing but sort of just having them see what what we're about and kind of just being a witness to that kind of inclusion right so as i think that was probably one of the biggest things that came out of that
0: right so it sounds like modeling that for people that seems Mm -hmm. like that would be really important that people could see it happening because I think often I think we have experiences and after those experiences that we start to shift and change how we feel and what we're comfortable with and if you have somebody who's never been a part of or has been introduced to the LGBT community within the Catholic Church they might not know how that functions and how people can be embraced and, you know, part of the worshiping community. Exactly. Yeah, that's important. So as a queer Catholic yourself, how, like, what did it mean for you to facilitate this group? Like when, when all was said and done, you, you were excited at first and kind of shocked that it was accepted and that this community was living this kind of vibrantly. Um, mm-hmm. And so as all of that unfolded, what did it mean to you in the end to have facilitated this? And how did it shift or shape your understanding? Like, certainly you grew in this experience as well. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: So facilitating the group meant a lot to me and felt really surreal just because I never really imagined myself doing that. It just didn't, I don't think I ever thought that I'd find a parish where I could be accepted for who I am and that I could have that kind of opportunity to then lead a group talking about the LGBTQ Catholic community. And I think probably the biggest thing I learned was really just to sort of put yourself out there and Mm. know that there are going to be, there are going to be leaders that are going to be willing to hear you and to listen. Of course, you have to be safe um, and you have to, you know, feel comfortable doing so. Right, But at the same time, I don't think that I ever really thought when I was first coming out that I'd find a Catholic parish or priest that would be willing to hear me talk about that Mm -hmm. and willing to even take on this idea. But I think that it really just taught me that the importance of just trying and, and having that conversation and seeing where it goes.
0: Right. That's great. So it's really great that you found this pocket within the Catholic Church that Is living it and embracing it and as a member of the LGBTQ community you feel that acceptance and love in the support of your community but that's not always happening across parishes within the church you know across our country and so what um, advice might you have for the Catholic Church to better support and embrace the LGBTQ community
1: yeah that's really true it's definitely not happening everywhere I think one thing just that needs to happen is really to acknowledge that LGBTQ Catholics exist, um, and to use the term LGBTQ rather than homosexual or you know people who have same sex attraction. I think for a lot of people in the LGBTQ community, it's really using the terms that they identify with is about respect, and also terms mm-hmm. like homosexual and same sex attraction have really been used with a negative connotation by the church in the past. And so to have them continue to use it, it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like they're really hearing us. Mm-hmm. Or I guess at least for me, it doesn't feel like they're really hearing me. Right. Um, so I think
0: that's a really important point. Name is so important. I mean, even yes. when we think of our own names and, you know, I, I don't know if you've had experiences of people giving you a nickname and you're like, that, that's not my name. Like, Call me this. (laughs) This is my name. Sarah is Mm -hmm. my name. Call me Sarah. Um, But that seems like that's a little bit of what you're talking about here with the terminology, that it's really Mm -hmm. important to identify your community the way your community identifies it. Yes, exactly.
1: I think another thing, too, is that the church really needs to be welcoming and make that clear. Mm -hmm. Um, A part of that is being willing to listen and to be in conversation. And another part of that is really actually like having visible symbols or, you know, so maybe like my church does with the little pride flags on name tags or having Father James Martins building a bridge, you know, in in your church. You know, it could also look like, you know, saying a prayer or a blessing um, over LGBTQ Catholics during Pride Month. Just a lot of little things like that. Also, I think the last and potentially most important point would just be for the church to really consider and put an end to the way that it's discriminating against the LGBTQ community. I want to share a quote from Father James Martin in American Media's, uh, Father James Martin Answers Five Common Questions About LGBT Catholic Ministry. Sure. It's a YouTube video. And so... Basically, in response to the question, what are the next steps for LGBT ministry in the Catholic Church? Uh, Father James Martin says, quote, In the U.S., the church must stop firing married LGBT people from their positions in Catholic institutions. Because if you are going to fire people for not following church teaching, that would include a lot more than just married LGBT people. Otherwise, it's not enforcing church teaching. It's engaging in discrimination, end quote. And I think beyond even just the firing of LGBT people in um, Catholic institutions, there's also this kind of discrimination that falls upon children of LGBT parents. Mm -hmm. Um, There's an example of a parish in Kansas that, you know, didn't admit a kindergarten student because the parents were in a same-sex union. So Mm -hmm. I just think that this is something the church needs to look more at and really stop because it's not it's not allowing lgbtq people to feel welcome in their own church and even to live out vocations that they feel called to like working in catholic ministry
0: right yeah that would yeah i think that's certainly something that's on people's minds when they enter into wanting having that call to ministry and then mm-hmm. always wondering well what whether or not they're acting on a relationship like wondering how that will fall out and play out in a context of a of a ministry position mm-hmm. yeah i really appreciate your sharing um father james martin's quote and i think what i'm hearing is so important is is that discrimination piece that mm-hmm. until we're ready to say okay then everybody who's not following church teaching needs to go. Then, like, right. we need to embrace what Pope Francis says a little bit more when he says, who am I to judge? Mm-hmm. You know, there's something really profound and important in that conversation that I think Catholics in general need to engage in the conversation. So going back to what you said, it's about listening, being open and honest, engaging in an authentic relationship to better mm-hmm. understand each other. Yes. So in many ways, what you're talking about sort of reminds me of the theological concept of now and not yet, that the kingdom is here and yet not quite here, we're building it. So it's sort of like a paradox of our faith. And how do you see this relating to the inclusion of our LGBTQ sisters and brothers in our communities today?
1: Yeah, I think that that's a really great analogy. Um, it's true that you know the kingdom is here in, in terms of the fact that we are here and work is being done. There's examples of that, you know, with Pope Francis and his famous who am I to judge statement, like you said earlier. There's Reverend Brian Massingale, who is a professor of theology and Christian ethics. And he began his lecture at the Global Network of Rainbow Catholics in Chicago by identifying himself as a black gay priest and theologian. Um, Mm. and told LGBTQ Catholics to remember that they're equally redeemed by Christ and radically loved by God. Mm. Um, Powerful. Yeah. There's Archbishop Gregory of Washington, D.C., who said to a transgender person at a Theology on Tap event that you belong to the heart of this church, and there is nothing that you may do, may say, that will ever rip you from the heart of this church. There's a lot that has been said to you about you behind your back that is painful and is sinful. And that was
0: wow. an
1: incredibly powerful message to transgender yeah. people. Um, and there's also Sister Janine Gramick, who is the co-founder of New Ways Ministry. And New Ways Ministry is an organization that advocates for justice for LGBTQ Catholics. So, and there's Father James Martin. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much work out there that is being done. But I think that it's true that there's so much more to do um, so that we kind of have a more united church <laughs> on yeah. this issue. So. I think it's incredibly true that, you know, now not quite yet applies.
0: Yeah, that's, and, and that's our faith. That's the always, mm-hmm. you know, especially coming from the Franciscan tradition, we talk all the time about ongoing conversion. And
1: mm-hmm. we talk
0: about that in the context of, you know, always trying to become a better version of ourselves. And I think the mm-hmm. church needs to do that too. The church is continually renewing itself and better aligning ourselves with what God is calling us to do and who God is calling us to be. So I thank you, Alyssa, for your time with us today. Is there any other closing thoughts you might have that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, um, I actually was thinking there's one story that comes to mind that I think, you know, might be helpful, especially to people who are still, you know, not quite able to get their head around the idea of even what LGBT means or, you know, or the LGBTQ community in general. There's actually a parishioner at my parish who is a really good friend of mine. And as he puts it, he's a same-gender-loving African Catholic Southern man. And quite a few years ago, he was having trouble understanding gender identities, particularly like transgender or gender nonconforming. And he actually decided to talk to his priest about it um, at the parish that I'm at. And the priest told him, you don't have to get your head around it. You need to get your heart around it. Mm. And I just think that that is so powerful um, because it's true. You can still love the person in front of you and want to do things that make them feel loved and welcome without really fully understanding, you know, their experience. So I just wanted to end with that.
0: Well, thank you so much. That really is a powerful story. And I'm glad you, you, you added that to our conversation today. So thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story. I know that, that this can be a very sensitive topic for people and it can be, um, I don't know, scary to put it out there um, as you've shared about your own story and not knowing that you'd be accepted. And so I really, really thank you for being so you know, open and courageous to really share your story with us today.
1: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me and just to be able to have this conversation so that others can hear more about um, the LGBTQ Catholic
0: community. Great. Well, thank you so much, Alyssa. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Brewing Faith. We encourage you to email your questions to brewingfaith at osfcilla.org or leave them on our hotline, 610 5586797 Join us next month when we discuss discernment in the Franciscan tradition. This episode will be geared toward college graduates and young adults discerning what's next. As well as, we'll touch on some important ideas for organizations looking to attract young adults to join their team. Remember, the future is bright if we bring the light.